We're dedicating the entire summer to a teaching theme, the summer of the Spirit, and we're focusing on introducing, experiencing, and encountering the Holy Spirit in a way that we never have before. Everybody say introducing, experiencing, and encountering the Holy Spirit. That's that's what we have. Some, some folks, it's a brand new introduction. For others, it's a reintroduction, but that's our passion. And I, I, I believe that by the end of this summer, uh, that we're going to see God do some amazing things as people start pressing in and wanting more of Him and more of His Spirit. Why don't you turn to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. I love my wife. I really love her. And even more so when she Instagrams things that, I don't know if you saw that. If you don't follow Kristen, you should. She's, she doesn't post much, but when she does, we call her a social media ninja. She just kind of, every once in a while, will post something. And she surprised me the other day. I was scrolling down, and I saw that she had posted that she was mastering Romans 8 because her pastor told her to. And I believe that Romans 8 is one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible. I think if you can master Romans 8 and Romans 12, you've got a a head start uh, on living for God and living a victorious life. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, We'll be in Romans 8 for the next several weeks. So I just want to encourage you to read it. Read it in multiple translations. Read it in New King James, King James, NIV, NLT, uh, the message, just read it. And, I've, and there's some, there's some great, uh, there's some great uh, websites that you can actually parallel it, like four or five translations together. And that's, I love to, to study that way, to just read it across. And it's a great way to really get into the Scripture and study it. You know, you used to get that, that letter from your first love. Remember that? You'd, we used to send letters. How many remember that? And cards. Y'all remember that? And you would just study over it, just, oh, what she said, what she mean by that? Oh, I love that, yeah. Just read everything into it. Y'all probably do that on Instagram, right? What she mean by that, you know? So same thing with the word. Get into it. Devour it. Eat it. It's good for you. Just eat it, man. It's, it'll, it'll do you good. And, uh, and so Romans 8, that's our homework. I want you to it'd be great to start hearing from you what God's speaking to you about this. Uh, the past three weeks, we have three or four weeks, we've, we've hit these three, three things. The Holy Spirit comforts, the Holy Spirit convicts, and then last week, we jumped on the Holy Spirit confirms, and I thought we were going to move on. I've got a whole bunch of words uh, that begin with a C that I could just go on with, but I, I felt the Holy Spirit just directed me back to confirm, and I want to stay on that, probably for the next couple of weeks. Um, that's why we call it a theme, because a series would just restrict us too much. And you can't restrict the Spirit. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Romans chapter 8 and four, uh, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit 
that we are God's children. And now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Those of you that were here last week, uh, you will be able to attest to this. Those of you that were not, I want to I want to just hit a couple of the points from last week. I would recommend you go and, and listen to the podcast on our website. I believe they're on, on iTunes as well. But something that we brought out last week is the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm or to testify or to, um, what does it say here, uh, testifies or affirm or confirm with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. And so remember last week we talked about the, the three parts of a human being, body, soul, and spirit. And when we say body, we're talking about your fleshly, carnal nature. And then the spirit, which was breathed in you from God, that part of you that is always telling you what you need to do and not to do. And then there's the soul of you that vacillates back and forth between the two. It's just stuck in the middle, bounced around like ping pong, you know. And your whole life, your spirit is telling, your spirit which came from God and will return to God when you die. That's what the Bible says. Your spirit is always telling you, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. How do you know? Because he told me when he breathed me into you. That's how I know. I came from him. I'm here to tell you, you're a child of God. You're a child of God. But as you get older and the world gets louder and the enemy attacks you, you start listening to your carnal nature more. And the carnal nature says you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Or worse, you are good enough. Either way, it's a bad thing, right? And the poor old soul is just attached to whatever it's listening to. So when you receive Jesus Christ under your life, the Holy Spirit becomes a part of you, and it affirms with your spirit that you're a child of God. So now instead of having this weak little voice, you're a child of God, you're a child of God, don't live that way, do this, you know, now you have it plus the Holy Spirit saying you're a child of God. And so, you know, I was raised Pentecostal. I mean, I came out of my mama's belly believing in the Holy Spirit, you know, that's just how it was. Doctor slapped me and I spoke in tongues, that's how it was. That's a joke. There was a B3 organ in the room, though. So, I, um, you know, where I was going, I got kind of caught away with a B3 organ being in the maternity ward. I thought that'd be a pretty cool idea, actually. Um, I have no idea where I was going with that. I, I, no, I was you know, raised Pentecost where it was all about the Holy Spirit and the, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit. But never did I really understand the job of the Holy Spirit. I thought it was for these things, these exploits, and to do crazy. And it's really about to affirm, to confirm, to remind. And, you know, many of us have been raised the Holy Spirit is either crazy or convicting mean, like you're not good enough. And that word convicting mean, remember y'all, we're with us a few Sundays ago. That word convicting means it convicts us of righteousness, saying you have been made right through the blood of Jesus Christ. It convicts us of our unbelief, saying you should just believe that Jesus Christ's death and life was enough for you. And it convicts us of judgment, the judgment being Satan is defeated. 
Who wouldn't want that kind of stuff in your life? I don't know. So, you know, I was raised that way, and yet then I meet other people, and they weren't raised that way, and this is the question we get sometimes. Well, do I have to have it? Is it why, why would you even ask that question? First of all, it is a gift, the Bible says, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who has ever turned down a gift? I mean, come on, it's there, it's free, it's for us, and it's there to encourage you. Don't you want to be able to look in the mirror, and you look, oh, I don't know if I want to make, and something in you says, oh, you can do it today, baby. Who wouldn't want to have just an inner Joel Osteen? Everywhere you went, just, you can do this. He loves you. (laughs) Or an inner T.D. Jakes, you know, come on, let's get ready, get ready. I don't know, what do you need? Just something in you. Think of the most encouraging person you can find in the world. Who is that person that you love being around? That when you're around them, they just make you feel better. How many know them right now? Call their name out right now. You're sweet. The, who do you want to be around? Those people. That, the Holy Spirit is that thing. Continually confirming and affirming you are a child of God. And so what happens is our spirit and the Holy Spirit combined together, suddenly there's a majority. And this is what I love when the Scripture says, I'm going to send an advocate. I'm going to send a comforter. I love that word, advocate. We got guys that are studying law right now. What that means is that person is going to take your case. You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to take this thing right now. Me, I'm going to take this. I'm going to walk this thing out for you. I'm going to give you guidance and direction. You don't worry about a thing. I think everybody in their life needs a, you need a good pastor, you need a good lawyer, you need a good doctor, and you need a good CPA. Those are some things that you need, a good chiropractor, however you want to roll with that, all right? You need those things in your life. Uh, we, Chris and I, a couple of a weeks, uh, about a month ago, I got this certified letter, and I signed for it, opened up the IRS. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Anytime you have to sign for something, and then it says IRS, you just, oh, Jesus. And it was something that we had filed for, and the IRS said we didn't, and we had documentation that we did. And so I just called the CPA. Hey, oh, we got this. Don't worry about it. What happened? He became my advocate. I have not worried about it one bit. Not, I hadn't even thought about it because I've done that with him so many times that I know he is my advocate. I'm going to call them. I'm going to work this thing out. You go do what you want to do. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. He takes things on your behalf, on the behalf, and begins to work for you. We're going to talk about this in just a moment. But I love the fact that it says he intercedes for us. He will pray things that we don't even know to pray. Who wouldn't want that in their life? Matter of fact, I say we're going to do it in a little while. I'm going to do it right now. Romans 8.34, don't turn there. Just write it down. Romans 8.34, Hebrews 7.24 says that Jesus intercedes for us. That means his, his sacrifice, his blood, his death, burial, and resurrection are at the right hand of God, the authoritative side of God. And they are continually reminding, he is continually reminding the holy part of God, they, their sins have been paid for. When that part of God wants to, I'm going to take them out again, that's when the blood of Jesus cries out and goes, no, you can't. I paid the price. 
There are three that bear record in, in the heaven. There are three that bear record in the earth. And in the earth, the blood, the water, and the Holy Spirit, the three things that Jesus Christ gave up at the cross, they continually cry out as a witness of us that our price has been paid. That's what, that's what the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was all about. The Holy Spirit, remi- I mean, Jesus Christ reminds the Father but the Holy Spirit reminds us. So write that down. The blood of Jesus is a reminder. Do y'all know that God needs reminders? How many of y'all use reminders on your iPhone? Raise your hand. You have it? I don't. I don't think they work because I don't hear them. Could be that I can't hear. I don't know. Do you know that when the Scripture says that God flooded the earth and he said, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky, And it's going to be for two things. It's going to be a covenant to man that I will never do it again. But he also said, it's going to be a reminder to me not to do this again. Isn't that amazing? That when you see the rainbow, it's like a string around God's finger. Say, oh, can't flood them. Maybe I want to, but I can't do it because I made a covenant. That's the same thing with the blood of Jesus. That's the same thing with the life of Jesus, that when you mess up and when you fail and when your accuser comes toward God and says, have you seen them? Do you know what they did? That's when the blood of Jesus Christ cries out and says, you can't destroy them because I paid the price. I paid the price. So we continually have this advocate speaking to the spirit of God, but then in us, we have an advocate that testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And I don't know about you, but I need that. I know that Jesus loves me. I know that God loves me. But sometimes I don't know that I love him enough. Sometimes I don't know that I'm good enough to be what he wants me to be. Can I get an amen besides Gwen today? Yes. And that's when that Holy Spirit rises up in you and says, wait a minute, baby. You are his child. Romans 8. 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I want you to write this down. First of all, number one, I am a child of God. This is what the Holy Spirit confirms with us. Write it down. Big, bold letters. I am a child of God. That should be enough. That should be it. I love the way John said it in 1 John 3 and 1. Everybody say, behold. All right, do it like this. Say, behold. No, move your hands. Let's go. Behold. Some of y'all aren't doing it. We're not going to go on until everybody does it. At least 90%. Come on. Not you. You're holding a baby. All right, let's go. Everybody say, behold. That's what he's saying there. Behold. Like when the angel showed up. Behold. That was a big deal. Y'all need to listen. That's what John is saying. Hey. Guest, I'm so sorry you came today when I'm in this mood. Please do not judge your friends for inviting you today. But I want you to get that. That's a big word. Behold. 
what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Not the slaves of God. I don't know about you, but if I save somebody's life, I want them to feel indebted to me. Come on, y'all be honest, right? Don't you think that gives you a few brownie points if you save somebody's life? No? At least should get you a Starbucks gift card or something. Not him. Like if it was me and I saved somebody's life, there would be a part of me. And that's how it was in those cultures. If you saved someone's life, they became your slave. They were indebted to you. And yet he says, you're no longer slaves. You're going to be servants of mine. But we're not just servants. We're friends of God. But we're not just friends of God. We're kids of God. What manner of love has been bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Everybody say it really loud. I am a child of God. I want you to get that in your, you need to write that somewhere. You need to write the next four points that I'm about to give you. You need to write them down somewhere. Put them on your, I love it. The other day I said something about write it in lipstick on your, uh, on your uh, mirror. I walked in the night, Kristen had written it on lipstick on the mirror. You need to write these things somewhere. Continue to reminding you, I am a child of God. Write this down. You don't do anything to become a child. You had no say-so in becoming a child. That was your mama and daddy. Made a decision. And whatever decision that was, you had no say-so in the matter. You just showed up. The decision was made for you. So being a child of God, there's no work involved. It's already been paid for. It's already been purchased. It's already been signed, sealed, delivered. All you and I have to do is just say, yeah. I like this. I'm going to be a child of God. Ain't that the easiest thing? And yet we fight it and fight it and fight it. And it's just, yes, I'm, I'm going to do this. So you don't have to be, do anything or be anything to be a child. However, to be an heir. That's a little different. There's a difference in being a child and being an heir, right? Big difference. Because you know you can be written in the will and you can be written out of the will. You can be given more and the favorite child can be given even more or given less. You understand what I'm saying? An heir changes on what the father thinks you deserve, what you have been, have you acted like a family member? Then we're going to will this to you or give this to you. However, the Bible says, let's bring that back up right there, uh, Romans 8 and 17. Where are we? Now, everybody say if. We are children. Everybody say then. We are heirs. No work involved. Just an automatic heir. That quick. Born, here's the will. Anything that's said here, you get it. 
Something fired me up today because coming from my religious background, when I thought I had to work for everything and strive for everything, suddenly I realized as soon as I said yes to being a child of his, I automatically became an heir. So write this down. I am an heir. Now remember, we're talking about what this Holy Spirit confirms to us. A Holy Spirit confirms that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. Say it again. I am an heir. Okay, first of all, it's a cool thing to be an heir of anything. Right? It's, it's cool to be an heir of anybody, of anything. How many of y'all right now would just take anything anybody gives you just right away? Daddy, you raising your hand? Dad, please raise your hand. One day, my brother and I uh, were out at my dad's farm out in Dixon, Tennessee. And if y'all know my dad, my dad collects every. If you need something, my dad's got it. And may not be able to find it, but he's got it. However, sometimes he can go right to it. Dad can take anything and make anything out of it. And so one day, my brother and I are on top of the hill. We were looking out over the, the property, and, and we just started looking at just the trailers and the, the metal and the wood and just all this stuff. And so my brother and I looked at each other, and I forget which one of us said it, but one of us said, one day, this will all be yours. So my dad, I, my dad has put on like in the middle of the interstate. There's a good, I can use that thing right there. Just rolling back, picking it up out. And guess what? We're using it right now. I joke at my dad, but half the stuff that he's done in my house has been stuff that he got out the middle of the road. I mean, if somebody just pulled up in an old jalopy and said, I want to give you this car. Come on. Right? It don't matter what the house is. You'll take it. I can paint that scofer. Okay, how many of you have ever seen one of those cars that they give away in a contest, and it's painted some nasty color, got all the stuff on it, and you're like, I don't even like that company. My goodness, yeah, but if they gave it to you, would you take it? Yeah, i just repaint that thing, man. Right? We will take it. Come on, think about this. How many times have you ever said to somebody, you throwing that away? Think about it. How many times have you said, you're not going to eat that? We love being heirs. We just naturally like that. I've never had that crazy, crazy dream of that rich relative. Just raise your hand. Come on. Thank you. That rich relative that you did not know anything about them, but somehow they knew everything about you, like where you lived and how to get hold of you, and they didn't have any, any other kin. And without even really knowing anything about you, they left everything they had to you. Have you ever had that dream, that rich uncle? And you know what's crazy is that is exactly what happened. Before we even knew him, he loved us. We didn't know anything about him. We didn't know he existed. We didn't know that he loved us. And he had his eye on us. Before you were formed in your mama's womb, he had already spoken life over you and spoken your destiny over you, and laid out an entire inheritance about you. 
There's something about being an heir that's more than the money, though. I mean, the money's a big part. The house or the car, whatever. There's something, though, about an heir that's more than the money. To me, it's about the fact that someone would trust me with their legacy. That someone would look at me and go, you know what? I see something in you that I'm going to bestow. I have worked all my life for this. My blood, my sweat, my tears. I planned it. And now I see something in you that I trust. And I'm going to hand this over to you. There's something so powerful. I was doing some research uh, yesterday uh, on our, the sermon for next week, and I'm just excited about it. I can't wait for this Father's Day sermon. I've got to be honest, Mother's Day sermons are hard. Father's Day are easy. You just, he's a daddy. Okay, let's go. We can go after it, you know. Father's Day, I'm just so fired up about it. I was doing some research yesterday. I was on a bus with 24 uh, basketball players. That smelled wonderful. And that was even before the game. Can you imagine after the game? And uh, I went down the line and I asked him, I want you to give me three characteristics that you want in your father. Name three things. And I'll share some of those with you next week. It was just amazing how out of all those 24 guys, it came down to just a few things that every one of them wanted. But one that I'd never thought of, one of the young men said, I want to be respected. And I never think of that. I always think of, I want Evan and Davis to respect me but I never really thought that they want to be respected by me. There's something about that, that somebody would respect you enough to give you their inheritance. They would honor you enough. That's exactly what he does. Not only did he count us worthy of not to go to hell, but he counted us worthy enough to take all of his inheritance and work it out. Everybody say, I am an heir. Number three, I'm not just a child of God, but I'm an heir. I'm not just an heir. I'm an heir of God. Everybody say, God. An heir of God? God. Wait a minute. The, the one that spoke everything into existence, I'm his heir. Now think about that. I, I'm, this, may, this may disagree with some of your theologies, but I don't really care. We can talk about it later. The fact that God himself would somehow submit his will to ours. I stand at the door and I knock. If you just open up, will you accept me? Just think about that. One of the things that if you've been here around the hills, you've heard me say this many times, is that can you imagine? You imagine Jesus, can you imagine the, all, of, all of heaven when Gabriel said to Mary, hey, Jesus wants to be born through you. God has chosen you, Mary, highly favored. You and all of heaven waits on the answer of a teenage girl. And she says, okay. Be it unto me according to your will. Think about when Jesus himself said, I do not want to do this. Father, if there's a way, take this cup from me. Can you imagine heaven? (gasps) Angels, oh my God, this could be it. What if he doesn't do it? 
then all of a sudden he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Think about that, that God would somehow subject and submit his will to us. He would trust the gospel with us. Because I don't trust myself with it. But the Holy Spirit reminds me on a daily basis. You are a child of God. You're not just a child of God. You're an heir of God. And I'm not just an heir of God. Can y'all tell me what the next one is? I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Now, my brother uh, has passed away. It's Shine and I left. And so when my dad goes on to dance on the other side with Joshua, then all the stuff that dad has will now be Kevin's. So, Kevin, hope you're excited about that. (laughs) And Laster will get the guns probably. So that's how that'll go down. Um, When my dad passes away and there is that will that's read, it will be up to Shine and I to make the decision on who gets what, right? Because you share the inheritance. But this scripture does not say that we split it. It says we are co-heirs. We are joint heirs. It's not divided. We get it. Look at your neighbor and say, whatever Jesus got, you got. I want you to let that sink in for just a moment. I want you to let that sink in for just a moment because I have had to let this sink in for about 20 years now trying to get this in my spirit that whatever Jesus has, I have access to. That means every gift, every fruit, all of it. You know, the the fruit of the spirit, you know that's not, That's not like your joy on steroids, right? It's the fruit of the, that's that's God's joy. That's not just your love, that's God's love. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, and faith. I mean, the nine fruit of the Spirit that are always there for us. That's how you can love your enemies. You don't. The Holy Spirit loves your enemies through you. That's God's love. How am I ever going to talk to that ex again? Because the Holy Spirit is going to help you do that. We have access to that. Not only the fruit, but the gifts of the Spirit. We're, uh, one of the words we use around our church a lot is a junction. I love that word. We're a, we're a, we're a junction. And so, you know, uh, a lot of folks focus on the gifts. A lot of folks focus on the fruit. We focus on both. I find it really cool that there's nine gifts and nine fruit. We're going to balance them out. That was better than the amen was, I think, but that's all right. (laughs) We're almost done. So every gift, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, tongues, interpretation of tongues, the gift of prophecy, discerning of spirits, the gifts of healings, the gift of faith, the working of miracles are all ours if we want them. The fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastors, the teachers, they're all ours 
are ours if we want them. Now, some of you have been taught that the miracle stopped after the disciples. We don't believe that here. We believe in the miraculous working power of Jesus Christ. Find me one miracle that Jesus performed outside of the gifts of the Spirit. There's not one. Knew what they were saying even though he couldn't hear them. Word of knowledge. Healed the sick. Gifts of healings. Walked on the water. Working of miracles. Knew when to keep his mouth shut, when to speak, word of wisdom. Knew who was of the devil, who weren't, discerning of spirits. On and on. There's not one miracle that Jesus Christ performed that is outside of the gifts of the Spirit. It's all ours. Every bit of it. Not only that, write this down. Every father wants your children to do more and live better than you do. And look what Jesus said. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Remember that? I'm going to the Father. Remember what, the whole, the, what we said a moment ago? He's continually interceding for us, going to the Father said, not only do I want you to save them from their sins, but I want you to give them the same power that I had. I want, you to, I want them to see the miracle working power. The greatest miracle that can ever be performed is someone giving their life to Jesus, and turning their entire life over, having deliverance, walking in freedom, walking in abundant life. What a miracle that is. I mean, we, that happens, that's happening all the time around here, continually. But I want to tell you right now, it's already happening within our church. We're seeing it happen all over the, all over the world right now. That it is, there are people that are being set free. There are healings that are happening. There is deliverance that is happening. And I want to tell you, God wants that stuff to happen. But he wants it to be done right. He wants us to be able to have the gifts of the Spirit along with the fruit of the Spirit. I've known folks that had the fruit of the Spirit, didn't, didn't have the gifts of the Spirit. I know folks that walked in the gifts of the Spirit that needed a lot of the fruit of the Spirit. Who cares if you can raise the dead, if you're mean? <laughs> Get up! <laughs> yeah, I think I'll just stay here. If you're the first face I'm going to see when I come back to life, I think I will stay right where I am. People that were used in, used in the gifts of the Spirit but didn't have temperance and didn't have self-control and don't understand that. What God's wanting to raise up is a super race. He's going to raise up a super race of children, men and women, that know that they're children of God. They know what they've been called to do. They know what God wants them to do. Boy, I tell you what, I, I wanted to get to it. I have another whole page of notes, but I'm not going to do it. But I will say this. If you keep, this will be your homework. Get Romans, read Romans chapter uh, 18 through 22. And it tells us this, that the earth groans in intercession for the children of God to be revealed. 
So not only do we have the Holy Spirit in us that's saying, come on, you can do this. You're a child of God. You're an heir of God. You're a, you're a, you're an, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Not only that, but then you have the earth that's going, ah. Come on, children of God, know who you are. Step it up. Let's go. You ever thought about the earth interceding for you? You know those floods that we just watched? You know what that was? That's the earth groaning. Earthquakes, that's the earth groaning. Hurricanes, it's the earth groaning, saying, I'm going to do what I got to do to get you to understand who you are. Why would the earth intercede for us? Because the earth remembers what it was like when Adam was a son of God. And it was peaceful. And the earth says, I want that back. I want you to know who you are. I want you to step into right relationship with God. And so the earth goes, ah, groans. Every time you see a headline of something going on like that, you should say, okay, I hear you. I hear you, earth. I hear you, Holy Spirit. I hear you. All right, I'm going to step into what God's called me to do. I said I was going to talk about it, and I did. So there you go. Let's stand. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord. Remember, we are on a, uh, I've told, I told our church from the very beginning of the summer, we're on a marathon. This is a, this is a marathon. We're, we're, you know, we're running for a while. This is not a sprint. And every bit of this whole series is about us getting ready for what God wants to do in the fall. But along the way, along the way, there are moments like today that you feel like, okay, I got to kick it up a little bit. And this is pushing some of you into some things that maybe you're uncomfortable with. And maybe there may be some of you that after this kind of teaching, you're like, I don't know if this is my church. I'm not sure if I can be around that. Uh, And then some of you are like, well, you've been here for a while. don't know, but this is going to make you go, yeah, this is it. These are my people right here. I just want you to know this is who we are. We're a church that believes in doing things decently and in order. We're not going to be offensive. We're not going to be scary. We want people out there that have never known anything about Jesus Christ to have a safe place to come. But we are not going to limit what God wants to do. The Holy Spirit is going to move. People are going to be saved, set free, healed, and delivered. Listen to me. As your pastor, I'm telling you this. We're going to see. We're seeing it happen right now. And I want us to have a heart for more of it. I want us to have a heart for more. There was a reason that Jesus used miracles. There's a reason he used it. There's a reason that you continually see it throughout the scriptures. But there's also a reason that he would say, don't focus on the miracles. Because then that becomes an idol in itself, right? Remember when they raised the, the brazen serpent and God, God healed all of Israel and then they began to worship that brazen serpent? So don't focus on that. We, our focus is on Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit continually reminds us of that. You're a child of God, and Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you.